Hello, everybody. My name is Jim. I'm a compulsive overeater and a food addict. Um, I have been in recovery since September of 2011. Uh, when I came into recovery, I weighed 535 pounds. That was my highest weight. I am currently at 323. That was the last time I got weighed a couple months ago. Um, and yeah, my story is, well, let's go through my story. So, <laughs> um, food was always an obsession with me. Um, uh, food was always the subject. My weight was the subject for everybody. Of why was I so fat? Why was I eating so much? And I've, re- I've been looking back at pictures of myself as a child. I wasn't as fat as I thought I was. Uh, but it was the obsession for everybody. And I was put on my first diet when I was seven or eight. Um, and that would just be, I would just diet from that point on. I was always on a diet. Everyone was always watching what I was eating, not just my parents, but my siblings. And um, I used to sneak food in the middle of the night when I thought everybody was asleep. So that I could actually get food. And then in the morning, people would be like, where'd the food go? And I'd be like, I have no idea. Uh, And this just continued and continued. And I did keep putting on more weight. And I was getting bigger. And I have uh, battled depression since I was a teenager. And I first got into therapy when I was 14. Uh, And I have been in and out of therapy ever since. And I'm currently been working with a therapist for the last three years in addition to OA. Um, And, you know, my teenage years were just high school was horrible. I hated it. I was bullied. It was just awful. I couldn't wait to be done. Um, And then when I got to be about 19 or 20, um, I discovered alcohol and drugs. And food was still there, but alcohol and drugs were a hell of a lot faster. And it, uh, it gave me that feeling of being numb that I was looking for. I just didn't want to feel anything. And food did that, but alcohol and the drugs were really a much faster way of doing it. And the, the woman at the rehab center I went to used to call it better living through chemistry. Um, I don't remember a lot of my 20s. Uh, the 1980s are a big blur to me. Uh, I, I just either was drunk or snow, stoned or in a food fog because I would drink and get stoned and then I would eat unbelievable amounts of food. So my weight did just, my weight just continued to get big, to grow over the years. It was more and more. Actually, when I was 25, I was um diagnosed with Graves' disease, and I lost a lot. I had just lost over 100 pounds. And funnily enough, I weighed then at my highest weight, what I actually weigh now, which is weird. And um, and after I got diagnosed, I put all the weight back on in three months. And then it just continued to grow from that point. And I did every diet imaginable. I did Weight Watchers. I did medically supervised diets. Uh, just doing everything, spending so much money, not getting anywhere. Um, And then my health started deteriorating. And some of it's genetic and some of it is obesity related. Um, 
I had congestive heart failure for the first time when I was 31. Um, I have a cardiomyopathy. Um, I have fibromyalgia. I have psoriatic arthritis. I have psoriasis. Um, I was diabetic at the time. I'm no longer diabetic, but I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, my A1C was 9.7 and my fasting blood sugars were in the 400s. Um, so just one thing after another just kept piling on and I just am not a well man. And, you know, the doctors were telling me that you would be dead, but they told me I would be dead by the time I was 40, if I didn't lose weight. And I just turned 58 on Friday. And so it's, a miracle that I am still here because I certainly did everything in my power to destroy my body and I'm still here. God, God must have a plan for me of why I'm still here. Um, and so anyway, so in my thirties, you know, the depression was bad and I started dealing with the fact that I am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. I was abused by my brother. Um, and then my parents died within four months of each other. I had thyroid cancer. Within a six-month period, my parents, my mother died. I had thyroid cancer. My father died, and I was in a really bad car accident. And I slammed my head into the windshield. And the only reason I didn't go through the windshield was because at 500 pounds, I was wedged into my car, and I didn't have a seatbelt on. But I slammed my head really hard into the windshield, and they said I was lucky I just didn't go through it, but I wouldn't have fit through it. So that's why I didn't go through it. Um, to say at this point, I just kind of like gave up on life. And um, it was also around that time that I started, it was when I started with prescription tranquilizers. Because um, I just needed, I was having panic attacks. Um, it, it, it just, I was spiraling more and more out of control. And uh, for the last like six years before I got into recovery, I was in and out of the hospital at least once a year for something, either my heart, I started getting cellulitis, which is a skin infection. Um, it would get so, and they don't, the last place they want you is in the hospital with an infection, but I kept wound up getting in the hospital because I had to get IV antibiotics around the clock. And I just kept getting it over and over again. And so I, I was 46 and I had another medical emergency and I went to this doctor who basically just told me my whole problem was I didn't weigh 190 pounds and he didn't do anything, didn't examine me. And I just, I, I hit rock bottom. And I decided I needed help. And so I found this outpatient. I live in New Jersey. I found an outpatient rehab center that's in Manhattan. And I went. Now, I drove into Manhattan. I wasn't going anywhere because I could barely walk from my recliner to my bathroom without having breathing really heavily. I'm just going to back up a little bit. That was in July of 2011. In September of 2010, I had congestive heart failure for the second time. And um, it was so bad that I couldn't breathe. And I had a, I was going to drive myself to the hospital, but I stood up and I almost passed out and I had to call an ambulance. And when the ambulance got here, uh, if I had passed out, I would have died that night. I would have. 
because there was so much fluid in my body. I was basically drowning on the inside. And when they got here, they had to call a second ambulance. They had to call the obesity ambulance. It took seven people to lift me. It was, it was just a horrible experience. And that was when I had to get a cardiac catheterization, but I had to go into New York because there was no hospital in New Jersey that would do it because of my weight. And that's what I found that I have a cardiomyopathy and moderately severe heart disease. And you would think at that point, I would have been like, okay, I need to, I need to do something. I didn't, I ate from, that was November 1st that I got that from November 1st till July. It took me until July the following year before I finally just gave up. And so I started at this rehab center and I had heard of OA for like 20 years, but I avoided it because I saw God in the steps and I wanted nothing to do with God. Um, but to be in this rehab center, you had to be in a 12-step fellowship, and you had to have a sponsor. So, um, yeah, I was shoved through the doors of OA, uh, as I like to say. So that was September of 2011. You know, I came in. I followed the food plan that the um, rehab center gave me. No sugar, no flour, no wheat, no fried food, uh, just really bare basics. And within six months, I was off of my diabetes medicine. The weight was coming off. I was working the steps with a sponsor. And, uh, yeah, I, I was doing really well. But then my sponsor went out. And then I met another sponsor. And it's too long of a story to get into my very codependent relationship with that sponsor. And it turned into something it shouldn't have turned into. And I was just, I was, I was in jeopardy of losing all of my sobriety in with food, with alcohol. I actually haven't had a drink in 12 years. I, I was an absolute mess. And I, I then met my current, this was 2015. I met my current sponsor and we went through the steps as outlined in the big book. And that had, so much more of an impact. It changed my life in ways that I didn't think possible. I was able to, my sponsor said, you'll forgive your brother and have compassion for him. And I thought she was crazy. And I have forgiven him. And I do have compassion for him because he's a very sick man. I don't want him in my life. I don't want to know anything about him. But that forgiveness was important for me, not for him. It was that freedom from all that rage and hate. Uh, I'm still dealing with so many things because of that trauma. Uh, and I also had, uh, I was sexually assaulted when I was a teenager. So there's still so many things I'm still trying to unravel with that. Um, so anyway, I was doing, I thought I was doing great. I was doing all this service. I'm service all the time. I had a lot of sponsees. And so then the pandemic hit. And around this time, I also, both of my knees are completely shot and both of my hips are completely shot. And so I had my first knee replacement in October of 2019. And that is where I really think things just got out of hand, if I have to look at it honestly, but I wasn't looking at things honestly. And then I had my second one in June of 2020. The pandemic hit, 
it triggered my depression and anxiety to levels that I had not been at in a long time. And uh, my food was getting sloppier and sloppier, but I was okay. That's what I kept telling myself. And this all culminated in this year, in the beginning of this year, 2023, in the beginning of last year, I actually had a go on disability from work because my depression and anxiety was so bad. I had to go into this intensive outpatient therapy. And around that time, my food was getting much worse. And then finally in June of last year, I was out now binging my brains out. And, but I wasn't, I was telling myself I wasn't binging. And so I had to go to the cardiologist because I COVID for the second time and I was having a hard time breathing. And I stepped on the scale. I was 100 pounds heavier than I was in October of 2019 before I had my knee surgery. And I said, I don't know how that happened. That's a lie. So I was telling myself, I knew exactly how it happened. I wasn't following my food plan. I was eating too much. I was eating. I was just out of control. And so I had to tell my I I finally told my sponsor and it was a very hard conversation. Um, and she um, was great about it. And I had to get rid, I had to let go of all my sponsees and I had to start over again. And that was in, so um, I was six months abstinent in January, January 15th. So um, I will be seven months next week and I've just been rebuilding everything I've lost 40 pounds of the 100 pounds I put on Um, I'm following my food plan I'm doing service again but I'm doing things much slower and I'm doing things at a much slower pace and um, you know my thing was my ego took over because I thought you know what I'm not going to relapse. I'm beyond that. I'm, I'm Jim. I, I can't relapse. That's, that's absurd. And I just really was not working the program or living it. And I was just lying to everybody, myself first, and lying to my sponsor and lying to my fellows and lying to my sponsees and my sponsor said this to me, and I, I believe the same thing, is that if I didn't have sponsees, I probably would have left, and I don't know if I would have come back. And so, and it wasn't just this one thing that triggered everything. It was a slow progression of, it was just this slow progression of, not doing my daily things, not checking in with my sponsor. I didn't talk to my sponsor once for like five weeks. You have five and, minutes. Thank you. Um, and it just, my life was just a mess. And so, you know, I look back and, you know, I lost all the weight and I got tattoos for the first time. I went skydiving. Um, and I, I had this, idea that everything was always going to be fine. I was just living in this glass bubble. I wasn't living in reality. And so these last six months have been 
six and a half months kind of have been very interesting uh, uh, of trying to rebuild everything and trying to just get back to the basics. And the most important thing is to be honest. I wasn't honest for a very long time. And it's, what is it? Honest, op- honesty, openness, and willingness. You know, I wasn't many of those things. And so I, you know, I was in a workshop yesterday and I didn't know the topic was, you know, keep coming back. What do you do on a daily basis? And I was like, I have to be brutally honest. I don't do everything on a daily basis that I'm supposed to be doing. I'm still not there. I'm still not back to where I once was, where I just did stuff and didn't even think about it. And I still have to work on that. I still have to, you know, I, I got to pray every day. I got to meditate every day. I don't know if I prayed this morning before I left for a meeting because I got up late. And that's just being sloppy. And I, I've got to tighten that up. And so I'm not beating myself up over it, but there's just always room for improvement. And I need a lot of improvement. You know, my spirituality isn't where it once was. And, you know, as it says in the big book, you know, for if an alcoholic fails to enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice, it's like, yeah, I got to do the work. I got to work with people. I got to put people first. I got to make phone calls. I got to return phone calls, which I gotten really bad at. Um, and so it's just this, I I knew that it was a lifelong thing, but I think I kind of forgot. You know, my ego and my hubris just took over, and I just, I wasn't doing everything I knew. And I was surrounded by everybody, and I, I could see it, but I was in just such denial about everything that I just couldn't come clean. And it actually was, you know, my sponsor, once I told her and I had to tell everybody, she goes, don't you feel relieved? And I'm like, no, are you kidding me? I feel ashamed. I feel horrible. But in talking about it and in working through it, it it's, I just feel this freedom of just being honest about where I was at. You know, I felt like I always had to present this perfect picture of the perfect person working the perfect program. And I knew there was no such thing as perfection, but I was just, I had this, it talks about the actor in the big book. The actor, you know, presents one image, one that's not really the true image. And that's what I was doing. And so here I am today. I, this is my third meeting today. I don't do three meetings a day. I've been doing live meetings again, which is really helpful. I made a phone call today. Uh, and so bit by bit, I'm just trying to build it back up and do what I can. Cause I really don't, I don't want to go back to weighing over 500 pounds. I mean, I'm still 200 pounds from where I was. I was down 300 at one point, but it's okay. I'm still, I'm still all right. And so I think my time is just about almost up and I think I have said enough. And so I think that I am just going to end it there and leave time for everybody to share.